I'm Tony Tardio. Hello and welcome to Darren Hinch's That's Life podcast, a podcast where we talk about the big stories of the past, the big stories of today, through the prism of Hinch's six decades in the media. In this episode, the latest allegations about Australia's federal parliament in Canberra being a sex pit. Mr Hinch, welcome to That's Life. Hi, Squire. You've been in Sydney, is that right? You... I was in Sydney and I was in Canberra, yeah, briefly. Yeah. First time back to Canberra for a, quite a while. It was uh, with mixed emotions, I must admit. Uh, going back as an ex-senator is not fun. Um, <laughs> but but I was, actually, I was in Canberra in country, country New South Wales mostly for a, for a wedding. But um, I was in Sydney and I, I, I was a bit worried that they'd close the borders again, but uh, they didn't. They have done, of course... Uh, since the latest outbreak in Brisbane with, with COVID-19. And I think uh, on the, the footy last week with Geelong and the Lions, I think that the, the government, Channel 7 and the AFL, acted fairly responsibly, albeit a little late. They could have done, got a lot of hours earlier, but I think in the end they made the right move. Darren, going back to Canberra, uh, did you go anywhere near Parliament House? No, I had my. I've got a special pass still, uh, but no, I didn't go near Parliament House. No, I. Uh, but I, I did. Um, I went to a favourite watering hole across the road from my hotel, and uh, and it was, I bumped into a lot of politicians. I um, an ex senator, um, Stephen Parry, the former president of the Senate, uh, was there for to have his portrait unveiled at Parliament House. So he and I spent a fascinating half an hour together. He was he was one of my favourite people. Uh, when he when I arrived in in Canberra, um, ironically, in, in his end of year speech once, I was talking about Steve mentioned Stephen Parry, and the fact that uh, in his office, the palatial Senate Senate President's office, he showed me the original wig of the first Senate President, <laughs> which had gone missing for about decades, and somebody found it in New South Wales for some reason, and uh, he acquired it. He now has it. In, in, in a special place in his Senate, uh, Senate President's office. And I mentioned this in a speech, and I started talking about this, the Senate President's wig, and I didn't think twice about it, but he, he's, he's bald as a badger. <laughs> and people, other senators said to him later on, oh, that was a bit rough hinge with a full head of hair having a go at you for being bald. <laughs> <laughs> do, you know whether they get, do you know whether they get uh, their own wig, uh, you know, every time they're appointed? As, as no, no they're not anymore. They, they, they don't wear wigs anymore in, in, in the Senate, and they, they ended that many, many years ago. I know that when Peter Slipper was... Uh, was uh, was was the speaker in the House of Reps? He tried to reinstall some of the pomp and circumstance, and dressed in those sort of weird clothes and carried the mace and things like that. But no, since since they also took away wigs and gowns in the family court uh, in, in Parliament, everybody now just wears suits and and, and normal clothes. M- my memory is different house. I know House of Reps, but my memory uh, of Billy Snedden is always with that uh, wig that he used to wear oh, when when he was the speaker. Yeah, Billy Billy was very keen on, on on the pomp and circumstance as well, but but not anymore. And I think uh, Smith, the speaker in the House at the moment, I think is doing a very good job. And also, so is Scott Ryan, who's the president of the Senate. And actually, I shouldn't be praising him because he stole my six years. I was meant to get six years in the Senate. And because of was a, um, a, a half election, it's not the Constitution. It's up to the Senate to decide who gets six years and who gets three. And uh, 
the Libs and the Labor did a deal, which they voted on in the Senate, and uh, they took my six years and gave them to Scott Ryan in Victoria, and in New South Wales they took, um, uh, I think, Lee Rhiannon's six years from the Greens and gave her six years to uh, um, uh, Deb O'Neill, uh, a Labor person. So that's the way it works, and that's the way it works. Darren, uh, we're, we're going to talk about the... Um uh, the Canberra sewer, I guess. I mean, uh, yeah. uh, I, I have been just astonished with some of the stuff that's been coming out of there. Yeah, I mean, me too, and I, I was there. Me too. I can tell you uh, the stuff about um, a Liberal staffer masturbating on a on a female MP's desk is is just a disgrace. Um, and I. I it was weird for me watching people on the news saying lewd acts. I mean, the word masturbation is allowed in the language these days. That's what was going on. And also, it wasn't part of gay culture. It was an insult to the female uh, member of parliament. And uh, the man should have been sacked. And the other ones who've been sharing these uh, these ghastly um, videos should also be called to account, should also be sacked. I mean, I I think we've mentioned, I've mentioned this before because I've shown it to you here in my house. Um I was so honoured to be elected as a senator for Victoria that I carried my Senate medallion in my pocket day and night for every day I was there. I only put it back in this little velvet box the day I finished. And for people to, it's an honour not only to be elected to go there, it's an honour to work there. And for people to defile the parliament the way these people have, and others, we'll get to Andrew Lamming in a minute, but... um, for them to defile Parliament in this way, to have sex in the prayer room or whatever other allegations that they keep mounting up day after day, I think it is absolutely disgusting. Sex in the prayer room is one thing, but uh, masturbating on the desk of uh, you know your your boss uh, and then sharing videos of that. Yeah. Who who thinks about that sort of stuff? Who would who would do that stuff? I was watching the Insiders the other day, and uh, you know, and, uh, and and the point was made. Somebody was saying, "Oh, look, it was just a gay thing." No, it's not. It was nothing to do with with a gay thing at all. It's it's it's, uh, and I'm not sounding homophobic here. That's just something that should not happen. I mean, whether you're homosexual or heterosexual, you don't masturbate on on on, on, a, on your boss's desk. You don't masturbate at work. I mean, it's just it's bizarre. Well, well, the other thing is, uh, I'm not sure if I've got this right, but there were uh, allegations of orgies, gay orgies, but also these go taking place during question time. So basically, the boss goes to the parliament, and uh, these people are doing what they do in the office while the boss is, is away. Well, that, that's the allegation. I mean, I mean and, and, and I can understand why they felt safe doing it because question. I never missed, never missed one question time. I mean, you, even though it can be stupid and it can be, and I think Dorothy Dixon should be banned and I think government members should be allowed to ask questions of the opposition front bench. And I raised this with the leader of the, the House, when George Brandis was there, that why can't um, government ministers question, address questions instead of Dorothy Dix's to their own people, which the, the person who's reading the question has never seen it before. And when they say, oh, I thank the honourable member for his or her question, it's bulldust. They don't even know what's in the question. They just float it. It's whatever the topic of the day is the government wants to spout. Um, but I thought it would be a good idea if, if uh, government ministers or backbenchers could a- ask questions of the opposition front bench, but apparently it's not constitutional. 
Yeah, well, the whole way that Question Time works is, uh, I mean, only one half of it is, is you know, probing. Did you, did you, know, do you know where Dorothy Dixer, where the question, where the term Dorothy Dixer comes from? Well, I don't. I mean, I've heard this for 50, 60 years, but I don't actually know the origin of it, right. no. Well, there was a, like a Dear Abby column or Dear, you know, those sort of advice columns in the newspapers, Dear Ann Landers, Dear Abby, et cetera, et cetera. And there was a woman who answered Forlorn Hart's questions called Dorothy Dix. That was her name. Her real name was Dorothy Dix. And so questions now in the house suddenly became Dorothy Dix's, you know, asking forlorn questions. And so that's that's the derivation for it, but that's what they called Dorothy Dix's. Um, uh, Scott Morrison, the Prime Minister, he's copped a lot of flack about the way he's dealt with uh, all this. Uh, you know, he's been accused of having a tin ear. The interview with uh, Tracy Grimshaw in a current affair where, uh, you know, she said, uh, where have you been? Are you in a bubble? You do, you do, you know, all this sort of stuff. It's damaging for him, isn't it? Look, if you'd asked me two weeks ago, will Scott Morrison win the next election? I'd have said no doubt, indubitably. Now I'm not so sure. Well, you uh, think women, you think this issue is something that so will big. change yes, people's votes? Yes, yes, women, especially women's votes. Women are angry. Now, last week I watched the Prime Minister's press conference and I, I tweeted about it and I said in my tweet, I'm bracing myself for the lashback because I said that I thought his press conference last week was probably one of the best performances he's made. When he's talking about his wife, his kids, his mother, etc., and he's quite emotional, I thought it was very honest and I thought it was right. But that was before uh, it hit the, the proverbial hit the fan when he lashed out at the, uh, at, at the Sky News journalist about... Um, you know, people in glass houses, people in your, there's one case in your in your organisation where somebody's accused of abusing a woman in a woman's toilet. It turns out that wasn't true. And he very quickly apologised after News Limited came out and said it wasn't true. Now, I don't agree with people who say that he, he um, breached the confidentiality of the woman who allegedly complained because he didn't name anybody. He named News Limited, but he didn't name any person and you couldn't identify anybody from what he said but it was a, a bad lash out because until then he seemed to have people on side but suddenly you're you're using what well, wasn't true even if it was true uh you're using somebody's pain and complaint for your own political benefit and that looked bad and he did he realized later on that night and put out a uh, a total apology saying that he'd be misled now whoever fed him that information he didn't give it himself should be sacked. He's given the worst media advice of any PM I've heard of in, in 30, 40 years. Well, the other thing was, uh, you know, the, the women were protesting and rallying and then he comes in with this line, well, you know, not very far from here in another country, they shoot people who are protesting. <laughs> well, he apologised for that too. That's the most stupid comment, you know. Like, Gee, okay, you, you're a pot protester, but lucky you didn't get shot. Lucky there weren't bullets. That was dumb. Yeah, so, so you wonder about his judgment. I mean, up until now with COVID, uh, he's been uh, pretty good leading up to the last election. Of course, he won the election that they weren't expecting to win and uh, people were thinking, well, you know, he's a good politician, but these, uh, his handling of all this, uh, he's fraying well, it, at the it, edges, it, it, isn't he? It, it, it is fraying, it is, it is. And I don't know how he gets out of this now. I don't know how he, how he comes back. I mean... 
people are, I mean, he was asked on with the ABC, you know, is your position under threat? Well, nobody's doing the counting, nobody's got the numbers, nobody's going after him, but the actual election is now going to be much tighter uh, than I would have thought some weeks ago because women in Australia are angry, and and rightfully so. I mean, it just it goes on. I mean, you've got Jonathan Green the other day after the Tasmanian Premier called a new election, uh, raised the point that the opposition leader in Tasmania is female and pregnant and was it fair to call an election while she's pregnant? I thought, well, hang on, a flash? I mean, what, pregnant women can't walk and chew gum at the same time? Jacinda Ardern was pregnant and she won an election. Um, Tanya Plibersek was pregnant in two elections and she campaigned the whole time. I, I, and that sort of stuff is still out there and it's uh, I find it bewildering at times. You know. And then the latest thing, let's go on to Andrew Lemming, one of the most repulsive members of parliament that you would even dream of. I mean, they sure grow in Queensland, you know, Lemming and Anning, people like that. This man... He apologised, in fairness, the PM called him in and he apologised for some of his his um, Facebook um, posts, etc., etc., which had two women in tears. Then he comes out the next day with some emojis saying, yeah, I apologised, but I don't know what I was apologising for at 4.30. Now, since then, we've heard that the man, and I've read and seen the women who complained in his electorate, He's had them in tears. He's he's been virtually stalking them on Facebook, etc., for four or five years. He accused one of stealing money from a charity, and I hope she sues for defamation because she denies it. Um, since then, in the last few days, he's come out. He's admitted this that he took a photo as a member of parliament. He took a photo of a young mother who's bending over filling the fridge, and he spotted her knickers, and he took a photo of it. Now, that's, that's upskirting. That is a crime. Astonishing. Uh, he was asked, crime. He was asked. Uh, someone saw that, I think the boss of the yeah. cafe or whatever saw it, and he was asked to delete it. Um, uh, unbelievable. But he admits he took the picture. But he said, oh, there's nothing in it. A woman bends over and, and knickers appear, and you take a photograph? And, and Why are you doing that? I noticed Darren, he's a doctor. He's a doctor. Is he a doctor of medicine or a doctor of, of some know. other sort? Uh, did you have much to do with that guy? No, I don't. I've, I've never met him. Don't know. There's very little connection between the Senate and the House of Reps. You know, we even in, I've said before in, in in the Senate, we actually you can't call it the House of Reps. You have to call it the other place. That's a that's a tactic. You say now in the other place. Yes. Out. You don't see in the House of Representatives or whatever the Prime Minister in the other place because we're supposedly more collegiate and more more more, <laughs> more, more upmarket than they are. But this man. I saw women in tears who he'd been apparently trolling on Facebook for years. One woman, one of his accusers, said that he followed her to a park, hid in the bushes, took pictures of her, posted those pictures on Facebook saying, and other pictures saying, um, I'll give $100 to charity if you identify the people she was talking to. Now, this is a member of parliament. I mean, and... and the reason why, of course, the PM now things events may supersede us on a lot of things in this, this podcast, but um, the PM should sack him from the party. Um, but the problem is, he goes into a, a minority government. Um, Lanning would, would would not throw the government out, but uh, and would probably promise supply and stuff. But um, if, if Scott Morrison you know, wants to really lead the way, especially in, with the, the women's campaign at the moment, is this this man? Should be should be well, sacked from, from the party. Uh, hey, he's now taking like the thing is now he's taking taking at least a month sick leave. We've got three members of parliament from their side on sick leave. You've got um, 
you've got the, 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 the defence minister, you've got the attorney general, you've got this guy Lamming, um, and at all, he's been ordered by the prime minister to um, take a course uh, in empathy. <laughs> I mean, this is this is effing nuts. I mean, what you you I mean, you have to go and go to a, go to school and learn what empathy is. He probably doesn't even know how to spell it, let alone bit. I mean, you either have empathy and you're either empathetic or you're not. Just for the PM to say, oh, he's going to do a course on empathy, I think this is Monty Python stuff. It is. It's just a way of trying to solve the problem, but it doesn't. It sort of uh, makes him look uh, weak. But the problem with politics is he needs his vote, doesn't he? I mean, that's the reality of the situation. Yeah. And, and in I mean, politics... If, 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 the, if Morrison had a... A majority of 20 seats, Lamming would be gone. Yes. And that's the bottom line. The, the thing that disturbs me is that obviously people have known that he's like this for some time, but he still gets pre-selected and still gets uh, e really? e e elected. Now, but sure, sure, the people in his electorate must not know all this. I mean, I'd never heard, of, I'd never heard of the man to be honest. I had to go and check his first name before I came on the podcast. Well, I, I, I've been reading stuff that other journo's have been writing, and they all talk about what sort of a, a person he he is. And I don't think you just suddenly become a person that's got no empathy. I think you know you've obviously got a track record of it. Oh, yeah. it, it, it raises issues. I mean, we surely we want the best people to represent us in the parliament. Well, you don't get that. I mean, because it's, 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 it, the deals are done, you know, uh, deals are done. I mean, how come Craig, I mean, Craig Kelly should not be in parliament, right? Um, he only got pre-selected again the last time because the prime minister stepped in, Scott Morrison stepped in and saved him. And uh, and that's what happens uh, in, in various pre-selections and then all the chess playing that goes on. And uh, that's what happens. The, the other guy that uh, has been um, uh, taking a bit of a battering is uh, Senator Erica Betts. Now, the, the allegation is that uh, he slut-shamed uh, uh, Brittany Higgins, uh, saying that, you know, she was, uh, I'm not sure the term, but, but very drunk and whatever. Um, what do you make of all that? Have you had any dealings with uh, Senator Erica Betts? Well, he, uh, yeah, he was in the yeah. Senate with you. Yes, he was. Uh, I, I, we had nothing in common. Uh, I find Erica Betts to be an absolute ultra, ultra right-wing religious conservative. Nothing very Christian about the way some of the things she said about people. But uh, no, I mean, if he wasn't in Tasmania, he wouldn't wouldn't get the seat. And uh, there's a big challenge to him in the, in, for pre-selection in the next election. One would hope that, uh, uh, I mean, his his star has has, has faded over, over the years. He was... I mean, he was in, in he was in cabinet. I think I'm pretty sure. Uh, I think he was the leader of the uh, the government in the Senate at one stage. Yes, leader of the government in the Senate at one stage. So his star is understandably and deservedly shrinking. But I've had very little to do with him. So I have nothing in common. Uh, Darren, this raises the issue of quotas. Now, the Labor Party's had quotas to try and get more women in the parliament. And it they, took them 25 years to get there. Yeah, but they've got good women in the parliament, the yes, Labor yes. Party, very good people. Um, liberals have been fighting it, really. They, they, they always say, you know, it should be on merit. But, of course, as you've just said minutes ago, it's not always on merit because deals are done. Uh, it seems like uh, they're coming around to the idea that they really look, need look, to. The, the PM is, is open. I mean, he said this week, he, uh, on one of the interviews, I think maybe even with Tracy Grimshaw, and she did a good job. Um, 
I think he said he's open to quotas. Now, many in the Liberal Party, the Conservative side, are not open to quotas. Uh, I'm not sure if it'll happen, but they've only got 20-something percent women in, in, in Parliament, so they need to do something. I mean, I used to always agree that you should be on merit and not on quotas, but when you look at um, um, African-American students in universities and schools in America, they only got there when they enforced quotas. So sometimes, in some circumstances, quotas are necessary to get there. And and the government, they have quotas anyway. They have quotas like how many nationals have to be in cabinet, you know, how many uh, conservative liberals have to be uh, in the ministry compared to moderate liberals. So they have these unofficial quotas anyway. So it's not too big a step to say, okay, we need to we need to push quotas to get more women. In, in, into Parliament, and, and they do. The other thing is, and I, I noticed on Insiders, the point was being made, uh, I think by Sarah Henderson, who actually got appointed, to the, she got defeated in the House and then got appointed in the Senate. Um, you, you need more women in safe seats. You know, putting, just putting out women to earn their stripes in marginal seats is not enough. You've got to get more women into safe Liberal seats to, uh, to up the numbers. It's well, 23% now or something like that. Yeah, Sarah Henderson is an example of uh, what I re- would regard as a, a, a great, um, you know, MP. Uh, she worked in the media. She worked uh, in television. She's a, a lawyer. Um, oh, you know, you might not agree with her views, but uh, I think she, she presents and represents well. Hey, listen, I don't know Sarah very well. We had... Uh, we had dinner a few times many, many years ago. She was she was Rupert Murdoch's uh, lawyer in New York at one stage, and a former ABC journalist, that is true, and former Channel 10 journalist. Um, and shows you the, 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 the dirty ways they work in Parliament. They were trying to get my vote on something. I can't remember what it was now. Probably um, backpack attacks or something. And I had a call from Julie Bishop. Then I had a call from uh, Sarah Henderson asking me to have dinner. <laughs> we hadn't had dinner in 20 years, right? <laughs> And I said, you're that, I said, you're that, I said, I'm that, that keen to get the vote, Sarah. So. <laughs> well, as Graham Richardson used to say, whatever it takes. Whatever so. it takes, yeah. <laughs> when you think that you, that you you call your autobiography whatever it takes, God, it, it, it doesn't talk much about your scruples, does it? Yeah, well, and he's paid for it ever since, uh, I think. Yeah. The thing is, Darren, all of this anger by women and in this issue is focused at the, uh, the conservative side of politics. But if you look back at history, Labor wasn't much better. In fact, well, in no, some ways they, they were they, worse. Yeah, and, they, and also Labor had plenty plenty of years in, in government to, to make things better for women. Um the, I'm not saying this is a liberal thing. It currently, right now, in the last six weeks, it's been it's been liberal, liberal, liberal politicians, staffers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But um, Labor's had its share of those sort of scandals over the years, and 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 it is, and, and as the PM said, it's it's not just Parliament. It's uh, it's throughout industry and it's throughout the Australian culture. But you can't excuse. I mean, the standard of, of behaviour in Parliament is expected to be, by the populace, expected to be better than elsewhere. And in recent months, it's become obvious it is not. It is worse. Well, you know, if you go back to the days of Bob Hawke, Bob Hawke was notorious for his uh, behaviour. Now, now uh, that 
that would not be tolerated in today's society. Well, it was, it was, it was, it was, with consent, it was consensual. You know, I, I agree with you. I mean, he, he, when he became started to run for prime minister, he promised he, uh, he would stop drinking, and he did. Um, but I said it was with consenting adults. Um, I mean, Barnaby Joyce um, didn't survive it because he ended up losing losing his job, and uh, that's when. Um, Prime Minister Turnbull brought in the anti-bonking rules, you know. But so the, the, you're the, right to a degree. There have been other grubs, real grubs, though, in the Labor Party. I mean, I'm thinking of people like we have spoken about him in a previous podcast. Keith Wright, you know, Bob, mm. Bob Collins, the Northern Territory um, mm. senator who was on uh, pedophilia charges. Uh, I mean... He, he, he hit a tree and killed himself. Yeah, he was he was one of the worst. Keith Wright, former Labor Party leader in... Uh, in uh, in Queensland, uh, he was, uh, yeah, he, he was he was a shocker. Um, it was, was was sexual violations, sexual crimes. Uh, oh, there have been plenty of others. I'll, I'll grant you that. And uh, and there have been, but there have been consenting um, crimes on both sides. Um, you look at Lionel Murphy. What do you do for my little mate? He used to say. Uh, I mean, Lionel Murphy, a High Court judge. Was was in the end was a disgrace. He was found guilty and then acquitted on on, on various charges, but uh, he he was he was a disgrace. Yeah, all, all of this stuff, Darren, all comes down to how it's going to uh, you know affect the election and the uh, the the way people vote. Uh, Anthony Albanese was in a bit of trouble even you know, a month ago. Do you, do you think um, his situation now, because of the problems on the other side, has stabilised? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, do you think uh, he can be a prime minister? I guess also. Well, well, well I, I, I think. Look, um, he hasn't set the world on fire. I grant that he's a very nice man, but he hasn't really inspired people. Um, on Morrison's side, he's got to find a way to break through to women. Uh, I mean, they are more than fifty percent of the population, and that means more than fifty percent of the voting force. Um, I noticed Patricia Cavallis on uh, Insiders the other day said. That he in in his cabinet reshuffle and it may have already happened by the time this goes to air. uh, He needs to appoint a um, a minister for women. Now we don't have a minister for men, but then we we don't have the problems. So I can understand why she's she's saying this. Um, It's too big a an issue now for it to be incorporated into Maurice Payne's portfolio, which where it has been. Uh, She's been minister for foreign affairs and minister for women. We haven't heard her at all. About women's rights and women's problems and women's women's uh, uh, situation, so I think that's not a bad place to be. Um, having a, a a totally separate cabinet level minister for women, um, um, I know that um, it, it's become untenable for, um, and this will probably be superseded. Become untenable for um, Christian Porter to remain as Attorney General when he's suing the ABC. The, the rumour that uh, that. He was to be, re- first of all, have his, his portfolio halved, then to be removed because of advice of the Solicitor General, but then to be replaced by Michaelia Cash. Well, that would be a weird, if it has happened, it's a weird appointment because Michaelia Cash, remember, refused to answer questions with an AFP investigation. Now, that doesn't sound to me like the person who should be the Attorney General of Australia. Uh, Linda Reynolds, who has been ill, uh, will certainly... Ha- will lose or has lost her position as Minister for Defence. Um, but the PM is virtually saying he'd, he'd keep them both at Cabinet level. You'd think it'd be a good chance for him to inject more women 
into into into, into cabinet uh, into, into senior positions from the from the back bench and from the outer ministry. The other thing that's been speculated that might sort of be a circuit breaker in all this is some sort of summit to discuss how we move well, forward from this. Well, that's going to happen. He's, 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 he's announced he's going to have a national summit. How do I put this? On women for women, and uh, I think it's a good idea. I mean, they they occasionally work. I mean, Bob Hawke, what one did when he did it on, on the on the economy and. Labor relations. Um, they don't always. They can be Kevin Rudd's one. Um, I can't remember the name of it now, but that's something that about twenty twenty or something. Yeah, uh, it, it, to me, it seemed just seemed a bit of a political wank. But uh, it can work, and it should work, and I'd I hope to see it happen. Yeah. Well, uh, we I guess uh, wait to see what uh, how all this uh, plays out. It's it's extraordinary though, given how well Australia has dealt with the COVID crisis when you yeah. compared to countries overseas, and how it, it well econ- economically we are uh, doing because we've been able to stay open. Uh, that this issue would then come in from left field and uh, change the whole political yeah. landscape. Look, I, I thought that uh, I've talked before about COVID elections and how, how got people elected like Adern in, uh, in New Zealand and Palaszczuk in Queensland and WA, of course, the landslide. And then it worked in reverse on Donald Trump because of what he didn't do during the COVID crisis. But uh, I just one point I make here, I, uh, I put it on my Facebook page recently that um, this I know, the economy is doing better than anybody dreamed. The unemployment rate is lower than anybody dreamed. Uh, but driving up around South Yarra and even Turak, the number of places shops closed in the city CBD that are for lease is, is frightening, and uh, I'm good to see these signs popping up everywhere. Shop local because a lot of us all shopped online during lockdown, and to see people now saying shop local and support your local industry in your suburbs is a great idea. Well, you could hardly blame Scott Morrison, you know, the Prime Minister for. Melbourne being in trouble, you know, for the CBD being in trouble and for those shops being vacant. I mean, wouldn't you p- plant that firmly at the feet of the state government here in Victoria? Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. It just, But the fact of during lockdowns, um, this happened. I mean, some the sad thing is that some family businesses have been around for decades, won't reopen. Have gone forever, you know, um, uh, and more would have gone if it hadn't been for JobKeeper and, and JobSeeker. Um uh, but um, you hope that, that more and more will reopen. Uh, the I notice the, the the foot traffic in the CBD in Melbourne is getting better. Uh, certainly, the, the roads are getting fuller. The, the traffic's back to almost normal. But the number of places you see around, you know, for lease is, is quite sad. And Darren, have you had your vaccine yet? No, I have not had my vaccine yet. But I'm I'm locked in. I've been booked in for April nine. April, which surprised me because was, I thought I'd be in one in, in, in fairly high high priority. Or I don't mind. I want everybody else, all the nurses and doctors and and frontline workers, get them first. But I thought having having no virtually no immune system because of my transplant and being my age, I thought I'd be fairly well up there. But uh, my local doctors locked me in on April nine. And are you just going to do that privately, or because I can yeah, see that? Uh, yeah, I'll, no, I'll do it privately, but I'll but I'll, I'll announce it and say I'm having it done, and uh, go and get get them done yourself. I yeah. mean, that's uh, I find the anti-vaxxers are, are, are mad. 
And uh, have you had explained to you, given your situation, uh, is there any possibility of a side effect? Um, no, no, I haven't. I haven't talked to doctors, but even if there were, I'd still have it done. I mean, it's. Uh, it's. I recall. I mean, when I um, when I had my transplant, uh, the doctor Bob Jones told me in advance. He said, "Oh, I should." Uh, he said, uh, "I should tell you, Darren, medically and ethically, that um, your uh, your donor." was a uh, a drug user right and i said okay uh and actually i was in the car when he told me this and on the phone and my then wife chanel said uh, do you know what that means and i said well yeah he's a drug user she said it means you could have hep b hep c or hiv and it was as if he'd been on the phone he, he called me back and said darren do you understand what i'm telling you he said you could have hep b hep c or hiv and I was sitting on the, my bed in the hospital waiting for the transplant in my those paper underpants that only an origami expert could ever put on, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, weird shit, that is. Yeah, and, and Chanel said, what are you going to do? I said, well, what am I going to do? I'm a bit of gambler all my life. I've got to go for it. I can't say... What do you got in your bottom drawer? I'll come back in two months, two weeks' time, or something. And uh, well, you had no, you had no choice. Had, had no choice. Had, had you not so, done that, you wouldn't be here now talking yeah, to that's us. That's right. And, and it's a lead up to the thing of saying, with the vaccine, even if there were side issues and side effects, I'd still have it done. You know, yep. and uh, and you owe it to other people to have it done as well. Well, we will find all about that in the future podcast, Mister Hinch. Thank you very much for your time today. Thanks, mate. Bye bye.